This morning, I want to begin in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. And we'll read from uh, verse 27 to 52. Mark 20, Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 27 to verse 52. This is right after the execution of John the Baptist. Okay, or actually the execution of John the Baptist starts with. Go ahead. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he had come out, saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit in groups on the, grass, on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and all of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, 
Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. Um, a few things out of this uh, passage we read. First of all, at the execution of John the Baptist, when Jesus heard about it, and he had been ministering and everything, but he withdrew, and he went to a deserted place, and in that deserted place, the people knew where he was going, and they went ahead of him, and... <laughs> And he's trying to get away from the crowd. And there was another, and the crowd was waiting for him when he got there. But it's instead of being annoyed and, uh, you know, because <clears throat> his plans, what he had planned to do, got interrupted. And he wanted some nice peace and quiet and some time of reflection. And here was this big crowd want, wanted to be ministered to. And he felt bad for them. It says he had compassion on them, and he ministered to them. And he taught them many things. And he felt sorry for them because they were hungry. And they had, they had done all this traveling, had no food. And he had compassion for that too. And you know, sometimes our busy life has these interruptions, and our plans have interruptions. But many times they're divine interruptions. And... And we can easily be annoyed by them. And it's challenging because, you know, we got this to do and that to do, and I have these plans and that plans, but sometimes God has a different plan. And, and our, you know, there's an interruption and a, a diversion and a different direction. And you see that Jesus was sensitive to uh, what God change was that God even though he was weary and he was upset about the hearing of John the Baptist you read other accounts it makes it clear that he was withdrawing because he heard about the execution the murdering of John the Baptist and for that reason he wanted to withdraw to a quiet place and so he need, he wanted a little peace and quiet to reflect on us in that pray and you know he knew, you know his cousin was murdered and he know what eventually was coming to him too. And so he felt he needed to go away and to be alone and quiet, And but here was this crowd that comes. And so he met their need, and he met their spiritual need and preached them. He said taught him taught them many things. He gave them spiritual food, and then after that he gave them physical food, took care of their needs. God takes care of our needs. And so, this exchange, this discussion between Jesus and his disciples, the disciples said, we got to send these people away so they can buy some food for themselves. They're, you know, it's late and everything. And they're, and they're getting, you know. And so Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. Now Jesus already knew what he was going to do. But he put it upon them. And their answer was, well, we only got this, you know, he says, we get 200 days wages to pay for all these people to have a little bit, bit to eat. And Jesus' answer is, how many loaves you have, go and see, five and two fish. 
And so he took what was there and he blessed it. And of course, the great miracle of the loaves and the fishes happened. That a crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children were fed. And what was left over was more than what they started with. They were left over. Twelve baskets were left over from five loaves and two fishes, plus what, they, what everybody ate. It was a great miracle. And so all the people saw this great miracle. And in the seeing of this great miracle, the disciples <coughs> saw it. But what happens after that is interesting because the disciples go through a couple of things and it brings back the whole story of the loaves and the fishes again. Because what happens is Jesus sends his disciples away and then was walking after he sent them away in the middle of the night they were walking on the sea. Jesus, I'm sorry, was walking on the sea. And they were afraid. <coughs> and when they were afraid, Jesus said, don't be afraid, it's me. And says they went in to the boat, he went into the boat, and the wind stopped blowing, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, or marveled. And the next thing that it says right after that is very interesting. It says, if you look, if you have a New American Standard Version Bible, it says, it says, they gain no insight from the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. Where this one says, they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. They gain no insight. You know, I've heard a lot of Christians say, boy, you know, those people back in the early church lived like that because they saw Jesus' miracles. Well, as you see here, the disciples have seen, it to this point, a series of miracles. Number one, the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine at the marriage feast of Cana. Cana. Number two, when they were in the boat with Jesus and the storm came up, we talked about it a few weeks ago, and Jesus calmed, they thought they were going to die, and they woke Jesus up and he calmed the storm. They saw Jesus heal the, the centurion servant. They saw Jesus heal a leper. They saw Jesus heal, I mean, feed 5,000 men besides women and children with five loaves and two fishes and have 12 baskets left over. They saw all these miracles and maybe more that I can't even remember aren't recorded. And here they are. It says they're amazed when Jesus gets in the boat. They were stunned and they were amazed because, it says, their heart was hard. They didn't understand about the miracle of the loaves. What is that talking about? It seems to be that when we look at all these things, 
that the disciples were their heart their heart was hard about what their heart was hard about the power of God that was present through Jesus and they were still afraid when they saw Jesus walking on the water and they were it says they cried out because they thought it was a ghost and they were afraid and when Jesus walked into the boat it says they were they were amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled they were astonished they didn't get it yet somehow they didn't get it. And so, is there any more evidence of what the Bible is saying here? That they didn't get it? That their heart was hard? There is. And there, become, there comes a second incident where Jesus feeds a crowd. It's recorded in the Gospel of Mark chapter 8. And also in, Mar in Matthew chapter 15. It's the second feeding of the of the. Of, the, of a multitude, a crowd. And so we'll look at that in Matthew 15. It's a similar one to Mark chapter 8. But Matthew 15. Matthew 15, verses 29 through 38. <clears throat> Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with, with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to feed such a great multitude? Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. Now those who ate were four thousand men, besides women and children. And he sent the multitude, sent away the multitude, got in the boat, and came to the region of Mag Magdalia. Okay. So this passage begins talking about how this crowd comes to Jesus, a great crowd, and he it says he made the maimed or the crippled whole, the lame walk, the blind see, and they glorified God. Big crowd of them. And then he sees that this crowd is hungry. And he says, I have compassion on this crowd because they've been with me three days and nothing to eat. And if I said, well, I don't want to send them away hungry because they might faint from hunger on the way. Might pass out. And so he says, his disciples answer, 
Where can we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great crowd, great multitude? If there's ever any evidence that they didn't gain any insight from the first feeding of the crowd, it's right here. They have seen a, a, a number, a, a, an un, not, you can't even number the amount of miracles they've seen to this point. And you can see very clearly that they have a hard heart. You can see that they gained no insight. They didn't learn anything from the first miracle because they had just seen the Jesus healing all these people. They had already seen Jesus heal and, and all, all them. And then he, before that, he had fed a crowd of 5,000 men besides women and children. And now here's a smaller crowd of 4,000 men besides women and children. A smaller crowd. And Jesus says, I'm going to feed these people. And they say the same thing they said before Jesus fed the first crowd. No insight. They didn't learn anything about the power of God that was present. Say, well, I remember as a young Christian saying, boy, these were some stupid guys that Jesus preached, uh, picked to be apostles and everything, you know? And then you begin to read in the Old Testament about the Israelites, and they saw the ten plagues that God brought on the Egyptians and released them from bondage and slavery. And yet when they get out, they grumbled all the way, and they got out, and they get to the Red Sea, and they say, why did God bring us out here to kill us? And they get out into the wilderness and say, why did God bring us out here to starve and to die of thirst out here in the wilderness? Where are we going to get food? And they just grumbled all the way. Why? Because they suffered from the same affliction that these 12 people that Jesus picked to be his apostles <clears throat> suffered from. And it is the same affliction that everyone in the human race suffers from. And that is hardness of heart. It is a common struggle, a common thing. It's not stupidity of the brain. It's hardness in the heart. They gain no insight from the loaves, the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, because, it says it right there in plain language, their heart was hard. The Old Testament talks about the hardness of heart and the stiffness of neck of the Israelites, that they didn't know God's ways because their heart was hard. That's why in the book of Hebrews it says, not to harden your heart like the Israelites did. Hardness of heart is a serious thing. And so the challenge is to us, well, what does that mean for us? Okay, so they were hard of heart. Okay, so what? What does that mean for us? We can have God give us, show us things, teach us things, answer prayers, deliver us from temptation, and yet still be hard in our hearts. So that the next time we have a challenge, the next time we have a temptation, the next time we are in need, we do the same thing that we did from the very beginning. We get anxious. We become afraid. We agonize over how are we going to pay our bills? 
How are we going to how are we going to have all our needs met? What's going to happen when I get sick? What's going to happen when I get old and retire and I'm not able to work like I can now? This is a common struggle. What's going to happen to my children? Those Israelites. They're afraid that their children were going to be uh, prey for the, the, the Canaanites. What's going to happen to my grandchildren? What's going to happen at my job? What's my boss going to do to me? Just agonizing in the wringing of hands. And yet we've heard the word of God over and over again. But we can suffer from the same affliction. What about the troubles in my marriage? What about the troubles that I'm having with these enemies of mine, with my neighbors? <clears throat> my car is broken down. How am I going to get it fixed? called to live in a certain frame of mind in a certain frame of heart and that is in faith harden not your hearts because <clears throat> if you think that you saw all the miracles of Jesus like these guys did you'd be different they weren't they gained no insight from what they saw because their heart was hard and so if we find ourselves in that place of hardness of heart, what do we do? What do we do? We bring it to the Lord. Jesus said, come to me. All you are heavily burdened, heavily laden and burdened down, and I will give you rest. We come to him and we unshackle ourselves from that stoniness in our heart by bringing it to him and, ask, and asking for a deliverance. There is power in the blood of Jesus for deliverance. From deliverance of hardness of heart and, and blindness of heart. Can't see it. They couldn't see it. They were blind. They had blindness of heart. They didn't understand God. The Bible says the natural mind does not understand the things of God. We cannot understand God. Through logic, human reasoning, intellectualism, scholarship, none of those things will give us insight into the working of God. The only thing that gives us insight is the revelation, the revealing of the Holy Spirit through faith. We believe God and we come to God. And we believe that God is going to help us. There is a war against us now. There's a war against the saints. The Bible says that Satan has gone to make war against the saints, those who believe in Christ. And what's the war about? What's his motive? To destroy our testimony? To destroy our hope in the power of God? To trust in the power of God. And also, to destroy our faith in the cross. In the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To bring doubts about the truth of the word of God. That's the aim of the enemy. To bring doubt, unbelief, hardness of heart. Just like the disciples. 
And there are many other examples of the hardness of heart of Jesus' disciples. But we don't have to look there. We don't have to look at the Israelites. We don't have to look at our brothers and sisters. We can look a little closer to whom than that. We can look in our own backyard. We can look at our own life. And that's personal. And I'm not saying that in a way of being critical. Because, you know, I look at my own backyard too and see the times that I've hardened my heart. And we all... It's a common struggle. And so, when we look in our own life, and we see our own times where we have seemed to not be getting it. Lord, why am I getting it? You know, why am I trusting you more? Why am I in turmoil in my soul? I, I know this stuff. I, I've, lived, I've gone through this before. Why am I doing this again? Why am I hardening my heart? We have to be on guard. And we have to be watchful. Jesus said, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. And the disciples did not take heed to that. And they fell into temptation. And they all ran and were afraid. And they ran when Jesus was arrested. Uh, <clears throat> Peter denied even knew Jesus. That's how badly he fell into temptation. And it's the same man that Jesus used to preach the first message on Pentecost. And to be one of the greatest of the apostles. And Jesus opened the doors to the message of the kingdom to both Jew and and Gentile through Peter. And so, even though he had a hard heart, he had a changed heart. And he says we must become like little children and have a change of heart, be converted, have a change of heart. And to be childlike in our approach to the Word of God. And this is what God says, okay, but God says, I, I believe it, and that settles it. A change of heart. Not full of fear. Not full of anxiety. But faith. Childlike faith. For help. In time of need. In time of temptation. The Bible says that we have been... <clears throat> We have died with Christ. We are raised to walk in a new life. Therefore, do not let sin rule in your mortal body. Do we believe that? Or are we hardening our hearts to that? That sin shall not have dominion over us? And yet, we hear in Christendom people say, this temptation is too great for me. I can't stop doing this, that, and the other thing. The Word of God says different. That's, just, that's the words of a hardened heart. Come from a hardened heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. And when we speak such things, it means we've hardened our heart to the Word of God. About honesty and integrity, making excuses for not being honest and being people of integrity. Tribulations. All kinds of challenges in life. 
We can harden our heart in those times. Attacks that try to make us doubt the truth of God's Word. We hear from atheists. We hear people read this nonsense on the internet and try to undermine the truth of God's Word and the, these elementary things that they make up that try to, to teach people that the Word of God isn't true. And when I say amateur, I mean amateur, but deceitful to those who don't know the Word of God. To those who have not, whose hearts are hard. Trusting that God has a plan for our life. You know, I hear people say, my life has no meaning. I have no life. And yet Jesus promised an abundant life. They're missing it. Their heart is hard to the Word of God. When they see no meaning, no purpose for their life, it's because their heart is hard. And their heart is hard towards the Word of God. Because God has a plan for each of us. He said that. But, like drawing water out of a well, we have to come to God. We have to come to the Lord and seek what His will is. Instead of saying, that I don't have any purpose in life, we have to come to the Lord and let Him reveal to us what His purpose is for our life. Or we can just be drifters, drifting and aimless, having a completely aimless life, no, no target, no goal, just a drifter. And yet we see that God has a purpose. That we may know what is a good and perfect will of God for our life. Romans 12. That we may know what His will is. Present yourself a living sacrifice. That we may know what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Where are we hard to that? We don't believe that God can reveal things to us? Are we that hard in our hearts? We can be. And we can act accordingly. It can come in out of our mouth. It can, it can be shown in the way we live. You may not even be seeing it. Disciples didn't see it. Jesus had to keep on showing them where they were at, the darkness they were in, the darkness of mind, the darkness of heart. They didn't even see it. Hardness of heart is blindness of heart. Uh, okay, then we go to Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> and um, in Matthew 16, we'll read verses 5 to 12. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? 
Do you not yet understand nor remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets you took up, nor the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> a little bit funny, this little exchange here. Jesus tells them, and they had forgotten to take any bread, and Jesus tells them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they're thinking, oh, we can't eat their bread or something like that. They're thinking, and we didn't take any bread, and we didn't eat their bread, and so they're worried because they didn't have any food. And so Jesus turns around and he says, Oh, you have little faith. And he says to them, um, In uh, the Gospel of Mark, in this same passage, that parallel passage, says, Is your heart hard? Is your heart still hard? And so, <clears throat> when he says this to him here, he says, when he says it to them here, he says, Don't you remember how all the bread that I, and the, the people that I fed, with the 5,000 men and the 4,000 men, 9,000 men besides women and children? I mean, we can guess maybe, maybe that's 15,000, 20,000 people. Who knows? With women and children. Who knows how many? Well, all we know is, is that they're still worried about not having food. And Jesus confronts them with them, confronts them about it, and and he talks to them about their hardness of their heart. And uh, let me see if I can find where he says that. Yeah. And they reason among themselves as a mark, and they reason among themselves as because we have no bread. And Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hard? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Don't you remember? And he talks about the miracles of the loaves and the fishes. So you see unbelief and hardness of heart are equal to each other, are together. That they... One, one, and the other. One, one, and the other are happen at the same time. Hardness of heart and unbelief. Unbelief does it lead to hardness of heart? Where does hardness of heart lead to unbelief? It seems like they kind of feed each other. Unbelief leads to hardness of heart, and the hardness of heart leads to more unbelief, and more unbelief leads to more hardness of heart. So, you see the dilemma of Jesus' disciples. You see how they struggled. And the message that we get from this is not just to tell us how hard the disciples' hearts are, but it is to confront us, each one of us, you and me, about what we're hearing 
Having ears to hear, are we not hearing? Having eyes to see, are we not seeing? Is our heart still hard? And if it is, what to do? And Jesus, in this, in this gospel, says, Come to me. If any man is thirsty, come to me. If any man is weary, come to me. If we're hard in our hearts, burdened with a hardened heart, come to him. And let him change our heart. That is what our relationship with Jesus is about. To be renewed. And to be refreshed. And to be filled with the Spirit. And not be hard in our hearts. So we'll finish with 1 Peter chapter 3. Chapter 1, I'm sorry. Chapter 1 beginning in verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Yes. A rejoicing heart. <clears throat> A heart that's rejoicing in Jesus. He says, you might be distressed by trial, he says, but our, our faith is going to be tested. But we dare not to harden our heart in a time of testing. We, the Bible teaches us right here, Peter's saying, we are kept by the power of God, faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time we are preserved we're kept it is an inheritance that's waiting for us in this we greatly rejoice and so are we greatly rejoicing today do we have a rejoicing heart today Jesus it says rejoiced in his heart he was on his way to the cross yeah, it says before that, it says he rejoiced in his heart. And he praised God. He says, I thank you, God. Thank you, Father. For you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them into babes. But it says right before that, he rejoiced in his heart. He was on his way to a crucifixion. And yet he was able to rejoice in his heart. We're rejoicing for the great inheritance that's waiting for us. We're rejoicing for the power of God that's committed to us the greatness of the power that is committed to those who believe, it says in Ephesians. Do we believe in the greatness of the power of God towards us who believe? Do we believe, or is our heart hard? Do we believe in the power of God to help us? 
Do we believe in the power of God to rescue us from temptation? Do we and to help us? Do we have faith in these things? Or are we because if we don't, that means we've hardened our heart towards these things. And if we have a little bit of faith and a little bit of hardness of heart, that means we're somewhere in between. That we have some hardness of heart and some faith. But it's gotta change. We gotta we gotta come to the Lord. To be delivered from hardness of heart. And to believe on Him. And to feed our faith. And to starve our doubts and our unbelief. And our hardness of heart. Faith comes through hearing the Word of God. Father, we pray that You deliver us from this affliction of mankind. And the affliction of us who are in Christ Jesus this hardness of heart, this doubt that tightens us up on the inside. We feel it, we experience it, we know. Each of us knows exactly what it is. This hardness towards your word. That's deep, no matter how long we've been in you, we fight against that. Help us to be victorious over that.